Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I'm glad that you've tuned in today. Of course, uh, it's been a, a weekend where a lot of people have been on pins and needles with regards to what's happening in the Middle East. And, and you know, we have another a crisis here, kind of an existential one here in the United States involving the fact that it's taken us an entire month to get to some kind of leadership in the House of Representatives. And, I mean, when I was watching the Jim Jordan votes on Friday and, you know, then the secret ballot and wondering if the Republicans were... I, I I understand altruism. There's no question about it. I'm, I'm one of those, vote your conscience in the primaries, totally get it. But when the all the money's on the line, so to speak, we do need a Speaker of the House. The Republicans have a majority. They should be able to come to a consensus. And somebody made somebody angry to the point where they needed, they felt the need to vote Kevin McCarthy out. But now nobody's going to be good enough for anybody. And it's just so classic of what happens in our culture right now where I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you have to become pragmatic and, oh, Roger's a rhino. But I remember having I had the privilege of having former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich on the broadcast about a year and a half ago, maybe closer to two. My goodness, time flies. And we were discussing the fact that when he was Speaker of the House, he was elected as part of something that was known as the white man's revolt. Remember that? Um, the Whereas the, the white women of the left were the ones who were the deciding factor in the 2022 midterm. College-educated, single white women, more often than not single white women, uh, were the ones who drove Democrats to victories that they didn't anticipate getting. And the fact that the GOP now has become more multicultural, been more open and welcoming to different... I mean, every major minority voting group went went up as far as uh, Republican registration, and they went down on the Democrat side. Now, Democrats still have a pretty healthy lead, but the fact that the Republican Party is becoming more diverse, I mean, there's, I mean, it, it happens. But what's interesting now is the Republican Party has never been good at having a unified message. And this whole month of October has just been a clown car of, uh, you know, who's going to be in charge with all these sanctimonious pearl clasping, you know, Matt Gates types up there saying, oh, we have, this is leadership. This is a, No, it's not. It's chaos. I mean, basically, you may think you're driving an elite sports car on a high-performance track, but basically, you are driving a demolition derby old bag of bolts crashing it into somebody else where there is no other objective other than to crash your car into another one. That's my two cents with regard to what American politics is looking like these days. Having said that, of course, we'll give you updates on what's happening in Israel as they develop, but it's very interesting to see What's happening in our culture with regard to the definition of manhood, the definition of femininity, uh, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. And, you know, it's interesting because um, there's something happening in San Diego right now that, um, well, it's, it, 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 it quite frankly is the end result of a rather controversial law. That was passed earlier. Uh, California Senate Bill 357 was signed into law on July 2022. And basically what it did, I mean, there's something in the left makeup that says, you know what, boys and girls, I mean, gender is defined by whatever you say it is. Uh, Licentious behavior, whatever you say it is. I mean, when you get right down to it, if you think about this for a couple of seconds anyway, it's very true. If you don't have standards, if you don't have a, a moral compass, if everyone does not have an agreed upon true north, then basically it becomes a free-for-all. And what you see is a very interesting phenomenon like we're seeing what's here in the culture. 
I mean, when this bill was signed into law by Governor Newsom, the idea was, I mean, there, there's, there's always someone in your state legislature who's trying to legalize prostitution. And they'll stop at nothing. When we have a, a biblical moral compass, a biblical worldview that guides us, we look at the laws of the land and say, well, isn't that interesting? On a main highway in California, the speed limit uh, is 65 miles an hour. That same t- stretch of highway in like Texas or Missouri could be 75 miles an hour. Each state gets to set their own speed limit. The name of the game, though, is everyone is committed to driving safely on the road, sharing the road with other people, et cetera, et cetera. So your morals and your values are basically the ones that are guiding those decisions where the temporal law comes in is to say, okay, well, in this state, you can have early voter registration or in that state, uh, you have a different tax rate or whatever it is. So the states have a certain measure of autonomy, but people with a biblical worldview can have a hold a cognitive dissonance about what that means. Leftists can't. The leftist view, and, and again, this is, this is purely anecdotal, I, I don't know. Maybe it's worth writing a book on. I don't know. But the leftist progressive view is I am always right. I am the center of my universe. And if you agree with me, then we can hang out because I will agree with you that you are the center of your universe. And whatever you decide is cool, I will fight to defend that with very little regard for what it does to other people. So when you have people who are not of the Bible-believing faith who will look at the culture and say, it's all about the law. Remember, we talked about you know, heaven for them is the Supreme Court. That, that's the highest authority. There, there, there's no God. There's no religion. There's just John Roberts and his eight married men and women, who, the black-robed regiment who are out there you know, setting up shop to either make our lives better or worse. And you can tell progressives, like they did in the 2022 midterms, well, they overturned Roe versus Wade. This is a rogue court. I mean, now there's actually a U.S. Senate investigation going on into how rogue the Supreme Court is. You have to be kidding me. And, I mean, I'll say that again. You have to be kidding me. After a left-leaning Supreme Court invented a constitutional right for a woman to have private conversations with her and her doctor about killing her preborn child, before... I mean, the constitutional right to privacy, which does not exist in the Brown versus Texas case or whatever, which led to Obergefell, which led to the legalization of same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage. There is no federal law. Remember how Democrats were scrambling like crazy after Roe versus Wade was overturned, saying, oh my gosh, we need a federal law. We had legalized abortion, legalized same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage, all sorts of transgender rights that weren't legal I mean, they were, they were guidelines that had been adopted and had case precedent in the Supreme Court, but they didn't actually have law. Those same people who thought that that was perfectly fine are now freaked out because there's a majority of Supreme Court justices who sit on the highest court of the land and actually read the Constitution and then apply it to the laws that have been passed. That's the reason Roe versus Wade was overturned. Remember, in terms of pro-life law, Dobbs versus Jackson did not have a lot of teeth. I mean, a 15-week ban? Seriously? I had a fascinating conversation over the weekend uh, with a new friend, new neighborhood, new friend. We were having a conversation. He says, are you pro-life? I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I'm I'm an abolitionist. And I said, abolitionist? We we don't have the slave thing anymore. And he said, no, no, no. I mean, I'm I'm an abolitionist in terms of I want abortion abolished. 
And I think it is wise for us to seek legislation to hold mothers criminally responsible for taking the life of their preborn child. And we got into a discussion, and I thought, you know, the way he presented it, it made a lot of sense. A woman goes to, quote, unquote, end a pregnancy if she does not know that's a human being, then she needs better information with regard to that. But uh, trust me, I mean, and I, this, I don't mean to demean the role of motherhood here, but if you were to walk into a kitchen and you smelled a cake that was in the oven and you said, wow, I'm trying to diet, I don't want that cake. It's not done yet. All the ingredients are in there and it's baking and becoming that cake. And you shut off the oven and you take the cake out of the oven and you throw it away. What do you say? I threw away the ingredients? That cake was in process. You're not just taking out the ingredients of a baby when you commit an abortion. You're killing a human being. But the left is notorious for coming up with laws that say, well, now, what? you can't put it like that, but if you say it like this, check out this Senate Bill 357 that's now wreaking havoc in San Diego. When Governor Newsom signed the bill into law in July of 2022, here's what he said. The author brought forth this legislation because the crime of loitering has disproportionately impacted black and brown women and members of the LGBTQ community. By the way, the Safer Streets Act made it such that the idea was you could not arrest somebody for loitering in a certain area. Now, let me ask you a question. You ever gone to the movies? You ever gone to a place where there's a high trafficking of prostitution? What do the people who are committing prostitution do in the areas? All wait. That's what they do. They wait. They're loitering. They're waiting for customers. And so since they, they passed this bill, because it was, it was disproportionately targeting black and brown people. It was disproportionately targeting the homosexual community. Thank you, Governor Newsom, for telling us what you think of who's on the street turning tricks. Thank you for, thank you for clearing the air there. We were getting concerned. Well, guess what happened? We're not arresting as many people for loitering anymore. Thank the Lord for that. But in a place like San Diego, prostitution has exploded. Now think of the additional cost, not only for the fact that you're letting criminal, I mean, women are walking around, uh, we'll put this article up at foxnews.com at thebottomlineshow.com. It shows women basically practically naked, barely covering themselves up, soliciting people in the street, you know, walking up to the car, that type of thing like you see in the movies. So how would you like to be a business in these areas? You've got to add additional security costs. You've got to have cameras, you know, to try to catch these people in the act of actually. So loitering is no longer a crime. But if you try to engage in the prostitution, that's still a deal. Uh, One uh, business owner told Fox News Digital the costs for security, the lights that we've had to put up here. and, And this is on our dime. We've got lights on the roof to try to keep these people from coming in here to try to do what they're going to do as they do it. How would you like to be operating in the same location for 25 years and you got to deal with this mess? But who's going to stand up and stop it? Well, how about men of integrity? How about women of integrity? We'll focus on the men here and on the other side of this break. Mark Hancock is with me and he has seen a huge increase of his own that in the membership of the organization for which he is the chief executive officer and that is Trail Life USA. 
TrailLifeUSA.com is the website. As the Boy Scouts have gone more woke and politically correct and have more admitted girls into the group and the transgender issue and the gay scout leaders thing, Trail Life is saying, look, this is the biblical definition of men and women, and this is the way young men are to act. They're not to go solicit prostitutes. They're to try to get them off the street and show them a better way to live, for example. Not that Trail Life's doing that. But Mark recently made some headlines by uh, addressing an issue with the Boy Scouts of America and stating just the facts about a reality that they're dealing with right now. We're going to talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a topic of conversation that's important. I mean, everyone's talking about toxic masculinity, how it's it's so damaging for the culture, and yet we know that godly masculinity is actually a very good thing. And joining me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about that is a man who knows quite a bit about that, Mark Hancock, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Trail Life USA, traillifeusa.com. This is a, uh, you might want to call it, I don't call it an alternative to the Boy Scouts because I think what Trail Life is doing is far better than anything that is going on in the Boy Scouts world right now. And in all honesty, they just recent, recently passed a milestone here about, uh, well, you know, 10 years into their founding. So Mark Hancock, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Roger, it's great to great to be back here, and I, I hear people using that that language all the time, alternative to the Boy Scouts, because when you look at us, we look a lot like the Boy Scouts: uniforms, handbooks, outdoor mm-hmm. adventure, camping, hiking, building, uh, god, godly men. But there's two things that separate us: one, we are Christ-centered. Amen. We're unapologetically Christian. Um, you know, we're, we're not some kind of outdoor experience, outdoor adventure organization having a Christian experience. We are at our core Christian ministry that uses the outdoors to turn boys into godly men. And the second thing is we're boy focused. And this is kind of controversial, but you 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 hinted at this in the introduction also. We believe that boys and girls are different. And um, so those are two things, the Christ-centered focus and the boys in, in the, the, in the, the Christ-centered uh, approach and the boy-focused approach um, make us different than Boy Scouts. So if those things are important, we're not an alternative. You're, you're right. You can't, we're not, not anywhere in the same, same field. We just kind of look alike because we do some of the same sorts of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people are familiar with that. I mean, and so that it's a good, it's a good parallel to have, but then when you begin to understand what organizationally has happened over the past, even 10 years, uh, trail life USA launching on January 1st of 2014. And the fact that now the growth has been phenomenal. I did. did what was it like for you? I've talked to Patty Garraby about this with, uh, uh, with American heritage girls and how, now, at the start of the pandemic, it was a little bit of a drop off attendance wise, but now membership is really starting to flourish there. Did you guys experience a similar kind of ebb and flow with trail life? 
You know, we didn't. We, we actually grew during the pandemic because there were a lot okay. of things that were shut down. But because we're, we're an outdoors organization, our troops were able to function. So we had a lot of folks who couldn't mm. go to soccer practice and couldn't mm-hmm. go to those other things. But they thought, OK, we want to give this trail life thing a try. And I don't know if you recall during that time, we launched something called the National Backyard Campout. Yes. We had that tens of thousands of families across the country camping in their backyards. We had like uh, uh, we had the Gettys as guests. We had King and Country do a, a live uh, concert for us online. Nice. We had we aired the Pilgrim's Progress movie through uh, Revelation Media online. We had uh, Edward Graham join us for one. We had we had all these backyard campouts with different with different themes, and we're able to gather tens of thousands of people around the country who had never heard of Trail Life, but they thought, "Yeah, I'm tired of sitting in my house. <laughs> I need to get my kids." <laughs> and so so they were camping in their backyard for that time. So that brought a lot of attention and, and awareness to Trail Life. And uh, so we, we actually uh, we actually uh, came through that time pretty strong. And then, of course, when things open up, it just it just really exploded. I think that's fantastic. Mark Hancock is with me today here on The Bottom Line, Chief Executive Officer of Trail Life USA. And we have a link for traillifeusa.com up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, I, I mentioned that milestone of hitting 50,000 members in, in only 10 years, which is remarkable. But I think also, too, 1,000 troops. And are you in all 50 states yet? Yeah, we're in all 50 states, and now Excellent. we're due since that announcement. We have a, over 1,100 troops now. Excellent. In uh, 53, 54,000 members across the country in all 50 states. So we're we're excited about uh, families as they're discovering trail life and getting their boys involved. You know, we were talking about the Boy Scouts earlier, and uh, I had a Cub Scout experience when I was younger. Yeah, you probably did as well. That was kind of the thing that young boys did, either because their parents thought it was a good thing for them to be in involved in, or because their friends were doing it. Right? I mean, that was that was for me. It was a, I had a bunch of buddies, and we were a Weeblos troop at one. I can't. They probably don't even call themselves Weeblos anymore, but uh, we were a really bad baseball team too. But that's a whole separate story. Um, but I think about the 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 Boy Scout Jamboree. And the national jamboree that happened uh, recently, and and they had something that went on there that kind of un- it's the perfect parallel opposite of what trail life is doing, and not just espousing to do. The Boy Scouts claim to be more inclusive and and welcoming and that type of stuff, and it's really been to their detriment. Talk about what happened at the jamboree because I mean that that huge event for them has really fallen on hard times, and I think it's a sign of the culture that we're living in, where people are saying we want what trail life is offering. Yeah, it's really sad to see a storied organization like that that gave us presidents and generals and astronauts and civic leaders and strong men to kind of abandon the values that they had supported for years. And of course, that was on display to the world in their 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 jamboree that they had in, in West Virginia. And um, I can't remember the numbers now, but it's the smallest jamboree they've had in, in decades. And mm. uh, and some of the booths that they had there, you would not expect to have at uh, an organization that had such a such a wonderful, uh, traditional, valued, uh, coveted um, legacy. And it's just it's just really tragic uh, that 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 they they've kind of chosen that way. And um, but at the same time, uh, as they began to leave that path, that was the. Uh, beginnings of trail life when people got together around the country and said, mm-hmm. oh, you know, with this doesn't, we can't, we can't go. We knew that churches were not going to be able to stay on board with Boy Scout troops and somebody needed to fill that gap. And so 300 volunteers across the country got together in 2013, started talking about the idea of, of a Christ centered uh, organization to kind of fill that, fill that uh, path that they were, that trail that they were abandoning has, has become uh, trail life. 
Mm, I love the, the the imagery there, Mark Hancock, to talk about the trail that we're walking. You know, to walk. I, I think of Steve Saint and uh, the the work that he's done. Uh, you know, the son of the uh, one of the founders of Missionary Aviation Fellowship, and he talks about how that's what they learned with the uh, uh, the Wadani uh, in in Ecuador. You know, walking the trail of life the way they describe that. And there's a trail for masculinity. There's a trail for biblical Christianity that that every Boy, every boy has to walk and, and under the guidance of proper male leadership and authority. And the fact that the one organization has gone so far in the other direction, you know, trying they really almost trying to blur the lines between what it means to be a boy and what it means to be a girl. And talk about some of the ways that trail life is saying, hey, look, we, we understand there are two roles, you know, there's male and female, and we don't want to blur the lines. We want to celebrate and appreciate both. But here we're zeroing in on helping boys become men. Yeah, I mean, we, we know that boys and girls are different. You know, we have a book right now. In fact, it's a free download at trailfusa.com called Let Boys Be Boys. And then we Amen. talk about three winning strategies for boys. And then a second book that's also free right now is Raising Godly Boys. And we talk about the proven process for turning boys into godly men. And it's a different process than the process that for turning girls into godly women. And it's because of our design and it's because of God, God's plan. But all the sciences agree, biology, psychology, any, any developmental science, that boys and girls are different. And their mm. brains are different. Their eyes are different. Their ears are different. Biologically, they're different. Developmentally, they're different. Um, there's the, We just know these things. And a lot of these things, we know intuitively that boys and any parent who has a boy and a girl, uh, even in the womb, the studies that they've they've done in the, in the children in the womb, that boys behave differently than girls do. Just mm -hmm. There's just these differences. And so we're acknowledging this thing. We're not trying to, we're not uh, trying to, uh, kick anybody out of anything or say, right. Hey, boys and girls are different. This is what was something we've known for years. And this is an obvious truth proven, not just biblically, but also in terms of science and experience and everything else. They're just different. And so come join us in celebrating that boys need a place where they're surrounded by godly men uh, to mentor them and guide them. You can't raise godly men without godly men. It takes those godly men to turn those boys and men. In fact, you mentioned the inclusive structure of Boy Scouts, what they've moved towards in the, in the way that they're handling exclusion now, inclusion now which, uh, you know, all these changes they did along the way, uh, some of them gender related and, and uh, sexual orientation related for, for, for both their youth and their adults, all these changes they did along the way uh, affected them and is, is certainly affecting them, continuing to affect their growth or lack of growth. But every time they do something like that, a lot of people say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm, I like this trail life option better. But the thing that, that brought us the most growth, Roger, over the years is when Boy Scouts said, we are going to allow girls in the program. Mm. So it's really interesting. So parents who tolerated, uh, um, you know, uh, homosexual, open about homosexuality or transgender troop leaders and tolerate all these things. When, when they said boys, the parents are like, oh, no, I don't think I can. Because we know intuitively there's something valuable. There's something different uh, when you have boys uh, together in a male-centric uh, atmosphere. And then you add girls, you add women, women to that. And so we're, we're holding to those lines, these truths that we know for generations and these are things that we experience to say, this is valuable. You know, boys are now twice as likely to be in special education, three times more likely to have ADHD. They follow behind girls in every single academic category. You know, they other than categories like crime and, and drugs and, and suicide, fastest mm. rate for suicide is boys 10 to 14 years old, Roger. That's wow. tragic. 
And so what we're doing to boys in our society today by discounting these differences is tragic. And Trellif is stepping in there and saying, you know, we're going to do this. Nobody else is standing up for boys. So we're going to do this. We're going to unapologetically step in and say boys and girls are different. They need a program. Each of them needs a program designed for them. You referenced Patty Garibay earlier. She's got American Heritage Girls. Wonderful program. They've been around 20 years longer than we have. Wonderful program for girls. That's their specialty. Go do that. We love them. We're awesome. I meet with Patty all the time. But we're focused on boys. And both organizations acknowledges that, hey, this is important to give them the place where they can, that's with a program that's designed for them. And what Boy Scouts did after all these years of producing great, good men, they just said, you know what? Ah, They're the same. Let's just deliver the same thing to everybody. One size fits all. And it just is not true. You're not going to get the same results when you're not focused on on a male-centric environment because things are just different there. You and I know that. Yeah, absolutely. Mark Hancock is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the CEO of Trail Life USA, the premier organization for boys who are looking to learn to walk that trail into manhood. And we've got a link for traillifeusa.com up at thebottomlineshow.com, and you'll see a link for that free ebook that Mark was talking about at that website as well. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Mark Hancock is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Mark is the CEO of Trail Life USA. We've got a link for traillifeusa.com up at thebottomlineshow.com. We also have information. If you go to that link, by the way, there's a free book that's available to you. It's a a book on literally uh, raising godly boys. You can download it. Just go to traillifeusa.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll find the book. Also, uh, the book Mark alluded to, Why Are We Sitting Here Until We Die? One of his favorite passages of scripture that asks the question, um, why are you missing life's greatest opportunity for you? This is a lesson that they teach in trail life uh, for boys of all ages, ages 5 to 18. And uh, we have a copy of the book we're giving away today here as well, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line on the other side of this break more of my conversation with the ceo of trail life usa mark hancock coming up next as the bottom line continues when you were in an accident stephanie cover of cover law is the only personal injury attorney you need stephanie talks to victims all the time who wish they would have signed with her first unfortunately once you've signed a retainer with a different attorney stephanie can't represent you So it's crucial to have Stephanie's number handy now and make the smart call the first time. Stephanie is the right attorney to represent your personal injury claim, specifically because she worked for insurance companies for 20 years, so she knows the best questions to ask and when. Stephanie knows when things don't sound accurate, and she knows when she's being deceived. Stephanie is a Christian, and telling the truth is vital, so she holds professionals to that standard, too. Stephanie's unique blend of skill, expertise, and compassion get you real results. Bookmark Stephanie's website now so you don't have regrets and pass it on to your friends and relatives who will need it. Just go to kbrightradio.com slash cover today to set up a free consultation. That's kbrightradio.com slash c-o-v-e-r. 
Mark Hancock is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh as we are approaching the 10th anniversary of the formation of Trail Life USA and uh, 53, 54,000 members now. And, and we've got 1,100 chapters of this, just remarkable growth for this organization. We don't even call it a Boy Scout alternative anymore because Trail Life is literally uh, blazing a new trail. And we've got a link for traillifeusa.com up at thebottomlineshow.com and there's a free ebook for you waiting there as well. Uh, Mark, during the break, we were talking about the fact that what we're talking about ultimately is helping boys to grow to be young men. And you've got male mentors, dads and uncles, and you know people who are involved, maybe even some grandpas too, I would imagine, who are, you go through a very careful vetting process to make sure that everything is safe. I know there's a lot of uh, concern about that. But then when you get right down to it, though, you look at the trail life model versus what's happening in that other large group for boys, and they're way off the woke pendulum just off in a whole different dimension with transgenderism and blurred lines between male and female, you are very confident that the path that you are leading boys on to manhood is proven. Talk about how you can be so sure of that. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said earlier, we're not just an outdoor organization having a Christian experience. We are at our core, a Christian organization that's bent on helping boys become godly men and helping parents in that in that process. And so we've studied this working with Barna and all kinds of other research and things to discover four, four things that we need to focus on. And we've turned it into what we call the proven process for turning boys into godly men. And we call it proven process in Trail Off USA because we can point to the fact that it works. In fact, Roger, this is you'll never found, find this in Boy Scouts, but we have a guarantee, a money back guarantee for our churches that says if the boys in your church who are participating in trail life are not being turned into godly men, you get your money back. Wow. And I, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. If, mm. if a mom had come to me and said, hey, you know, can you guarantee me that Junior's <laughs> going to, you know, turn into a godly yeah. man or I get my tithe back or whatever? Right. You know, I, I would have said, hey, you know, I, I really don't know. We'll do the best. I mean, have you met Junior? I mean, we, we, we will <laughs> That's do why the I'm best. leaving him with you, Mark. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do the best we can. But we've developed this process and we share with other organizations, other people who are dealing with, particularly with boys. And we've identified four things. One is boys are largely unguided today. One in four boys doesn't have a father in the household. Mm. That's tragic. And so girls have these wonderful role models of single moms who are just knocking it out of the park, um, Herculean tasks to raise a family alone. And then they then the, uh, the kids go to school and 86% of public school teachers are female. And then they go to um, uh, Sunday school and most of the leaders there are female. And so the kids see these wonderful female role models. Girls have these wonderful role models they can point to, but boys are lacking in role models to male role models to show them what it is that they will look like when they are they are older. And so in Trail of USA, we provide these the, these male mentorships, this male centric organization, because boys just lack this. They're unguided, and we also say they're ungrounded. You know, our culture today, uh, everything is in question. Uh, there's no absolute truths, and, and so boys uh, growing up today, they don't have absolutes to point. To is how, how can you even talk about good or bad behavior if there's no foundation for what's good and what's bad? And so we use the Bible, the word of God to ground boys and they like being, they like to know what the rules are. They like to know what they can press against, what isn't going to change. And that's the unchanging word of God. So we ground them in that. The third thing, we know that boys are unappreciated. And I've talked some about that, how we don't appreciate the differences between boys and girls and the tragic statistics that say that, you know, we're trying to treat them the same, but we're getting these horrible results because they're not girls. 
it's like we're treating boys like they're defective girls or something like mm-hmm. like what we see in boys is some kind of social disease that needs to be eradicated or something we're we're not appreciating that that risk and competition in boys things that boys love is what charges them it's what drives them yes. which leads yes. to the last thing is boys are largely uninspired uh you know we've taken uh you know with participation trophies we we don't keep scoring the games anymore because we don't want to hurt anybody's feeling they've taken tag out of the public schools in california because they're afraid it's going to hurt uh, a kid's feelings to be tagged mm-hmm. and that this is that's the kind of stuff boys thrive on i mean you don't have men who storm the beaches of normandy uh, you know, for participation trophy. I mean, they they they're there because they 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 they're willing to sacrifice their lives for a greater yes. cause, yeah. and and we've gotten away from that, and so we 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 don't we don't inspire boys because we don't we don't offer them risk and competition. So we have a robust awards program. They don't show up and get something; they've got to earn it. So we're restoring that idea. Because this whole failure to launch thing that, that young men deal with, it's because they've been raised to be, if I show up, I'll get a trophy. Well, you show up in your first week of work. They just don't give you a check because you showed up. You actually <laughs> have to do something. In yes. So they get fired and they run home and they move into the basement with mom and dad because nobody ever required anything of them. So we are requiring of them risk and competition and doing their best and working hard on something. And that kind of lesson where boys have the opportunity to fail and then recover and then achieve and succeed. That's huge for boys to say, I can fail, but I can get back up again. It's not the mm-hmm. end of the world. Um, that kind of lesson we're teaching in Trail USA by giving them challenges uh, that at the, at the edge of their of their own faith and, the, they, and their own uh, sense of who it is that they are. We draw them into bigger, bigger challenges and that just builds uh, godly men. So those four steps that we're doing, we we have proven, we can prove by looking at our numbers and what is going on in trail life, yeah. that when you pay attention to those things and you provide for those things, the unguided, the ungrounded, the, the, the unappreciated and the uninspired, when you address those things, those boys will become successful, godly winning men. And that's that's our guarantee. Well, and I love the fact that it's a guarantee. Mark Hancock with me today here on The Bottom Line, the CEO of Trail Life USA. TrailLifeUSA.com is the website. And I want to stress to our listeners uh, who are taking this all in right now, whether you have kids or grandsons or sons in this age range, you and I all know at least one adult man who's 35, 40, 45 years of age who never got this. I mean, there's a product now of what our culture has basically put these kids these through as they move into adulthood. And they've had a really, you know, people joke about the whole quote unquote failure to launch phenomenon. You want to avoid that happening right now? Trail Life, Mark, your your programs start for boys as young as age five, correct? We start in kindergarten, age five. Kindergarten. Yeah. Up through, up through 17 years old. through, through Yeah. So, I mean, and I love the fact that you're saying, hey, this is something we don't wait until they're 18 or 19 and we try to now get them when they're five and six, (laughs) give them that opportunity and give the parents who are struggling, especially the dads who are saying, I want to make sure my kid turns out okay. I want my son to be a godly man, but I didn't have a good model growing up. And this kind of, you can come alongside with the, with the dads and the grandpas too, can't you? 
Yeah. Yeah. We heard that a lot. We, we, you know, we're, we're uh, heroes for dads who are figuring out ways to connect with their sons in new ways who, who don't know how to do that because they, they didn't experience that. So they're learning from other dads in the program, this brotherhood they discover in trail life. But we also have a lot of boys in the program that don't have dads. And mm-hmm. we're here to that single mom who says, my son is now surrounded by godly men. We had a, we had a young man out in California who received our freedom award, highest award in our program, single mom, who's raised by a single mom. And he stood in front of that group of men and he said, the men in this room taught me how to shave and you taught mm. me how to love Jesus. Oh, thought, okay. Those guys nailed it. You know, yes. you got to yes. imagine if you're that mom sitting in the audience saying, Oh my gosh, you know, this was, where could I have gotten this for my son? And then we also have a lot of men in the program, Roger, who don't have sons in the program, but mm. they understand the value of pouring the next generation. And they also yeah. have discovered a brotherhood there of men who, who are like-minded in terms of their faith uh, in terms of their their hope for the future, you don't have to have a bunch of outdoor skills. We just need men who are interested pouring into the the sons uh, into the lives of these boys. Some of them who don't have a father. Yeah, well, this is a f- fantastic ministry. Highly recommended by the Bottom Line Show. Mark Hancock, CEO of Trail Life USA, traillifeusa.com. And Mark, you, you mentioned the free ebook, but I know there's a book that you've also uh, written as well. Why are we sitting here until we die? Give us a in the last sixty seconds here, kind of give us an overview of why that book is important to you, and uh, we'll we'll link that up at our website. Yeah, well. that, that book took me seven years to write. I had to put it down for a while for the start of Trail Life, but then I went back and and wrote it and added the experience of Trail Life. And it comes out of Second Kings chapter seven, and it talks about it's really encouraging people that that's actually a verse why are we sitting until until here until we die and so encourage your readers to to, to your listeners to go to second kings chapter seven and and you'll see you'll see uh where that verse comes from but it just talks about s- stepping out and and serving god in, in big ways and, and living on the edge of our faith and doing and th- doing those sorts of things and that's available on amazon Okay. We've got that link up at thebottomlineshow.com as well. Mark Hancock, always a pleasure. Sorry we didn't get a chance to shake hands in uh, in Orlando last year, but uh, we'll just a couple months from now, we'll be back in Nashville and we'll do this again in person. We'll but see you there. Till, all right. Till then, thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. God bless. Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with Mark Whitlock. He's the uh, CEO of Trail Life USA. We've got a link for traillifeusa.com up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have a copy of Mark's book called Why Are We Sitting Here Until We Die? Uh, Mark has quite a publishing background as well. I was just uh, watching over the weekend. He had the opportunity to be part of a uh, publisher's conference and the co-author of this book, Eva Marie Everson. Uh, or was it Eva Marie Everson? Anyway, uh, was was there as well. And uh, Mark used to run the conference for quite some time. So great man of faith, uh, advanced degrees in ministry and counseling. And uh, you know that Trail Life USA is getting uh, good care under Mark's leadership. Uh, the book, Why Are We Sitting Here Until We Die? by Mark Hancock, the CEO of Trail Life USA, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We do have a copy of it we're giving away today, 800-227-5278. On the other side of this, well, I should mention too, don't let me forget, we have uh, free downloads of Mark's ebook called Raising Godly Boys. This is kind of a manual that they're using in um, Trail Life USA to help boys ages 5 through 18 g- grow up to basically, I mean, this is a Christ-centered boy-focused scouting group. And I love the fact that Mark, uh, understanding the counseling, the psychology, the spirituality um, of uh, 
his training helps to guide this organization that's now in all 50 states. They've got over 50,000 boys uh, signed up. And uh, we'll, when you go to thebottomlineshow.com, you also have the opportunity for that link uh, where you can find a Trail Life USA group in your own neck of the woods. I mentioned often that my daughter Emily and her husband Brian uh, have moved over to Conroe, Texas area. And I went online. We were talking over the weekend. I said, I asked if Isaac had been signed up for Trail Life yet. And he says, no, not yet. He's six. And I, they love the outdoors. They love doing this type of stuff. This is exactly what they're looking for. And so they're going to be signing up. So highly recommend that uh, if you're the grandparent who can give that nudge to your grandkids, do that as well. Um, TrailLifeUSA.com is up at TheBottomLineShow.com. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line for Mark Hancock's book. On the other side of this break, it's Movie Monday, and we're going to do something a little different when it comes to Movie Monday. Uh, uh, last year, I believe at this time, there was a documentary movie release called Dead Name. Uh, Brandon Showalter, who's a writer for the Christian Post, joined me for a conversation about dead naming is the practice as identified in the LGBTQ community. For someone who is identifying as transgender and they want to be recognized by the opposite gender, um, they, if you call them by their given birth name, let's say there's a boy, his name is Jeff, and he wants to be a girl named Jessica. Um, if you refer to this person who identifies as a girl by his male name, uh, they'll say, look, that person's dead to me. That's my dead name, basically. Okay. Um, on the other side of this break, I want to talk about how the organization that put this movie together has engaged into a, a very controversial billboard campaign, but it's driving people to see this documentary. And it's having some pretty positive results as well. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Kind of a different slant on Movie Monday here on the program. Um, there's a doc documentary called Dead Name. And it's a film about gender ideology and how the left and the LGBTQ community have been targeting kids by basically getting them. Last week we had uh, James, uh, uh, James Phyllis on with us talking about his book, Understanding and Loving Your College Student. And one of the things that he said in that uh, conversation, you could find it online at thebottomlineshow.com on our podcast. But one of the things that he, um, he described was the fact that he said, you know, it used to be when kids went to college, 
they were learning how to be adults. They were learning how to challenge the accepted norms of the day, but ultimately they would leave with a diploma, but they'd also leave more importantly with the knowledge that there were some things you could challenge and other things you could not. And nowadays, I was having, uh, hanging out with my uh, college professor slash researcher daughter, Dr. Kaylee Zapanta over the weekend, and she couldn't agree to this enough, the, the sentiment that now the goal of the organized higher education world is to get people, get college students to come in and to question everything and to leave more confused than when they started. And they'll think they're very certain of what they know because they took a major in gender studies or environmental justice or something like that. That sounds all very well and good, but what they don't realize is that the left goal is that you won't be certain of anything, which is why so few young people believe in God or believe that there are moral truths and absolutes, or even worse, this is from George Barna's research, that the number of people who identify themselves as the standard of morality has gone up by 6% since the pandemic started. So it's bad enough that you have people who, uh, the good news is the number of people who believe in moral absolutes has gone up. The bad news is the people who believe that they are the source of moral absolution and not uh, the biblical standard that we've lived by for many, many years, that's gone. Uh, well, the number of people believing they're the truth goes up and the number of people believing the Bible goes down. And one of the places where you see this is if the, you know, people wondered after the passing of the uh, uh, Obergefell decision back in 2015, which so legalized so-called same-sex quote-unquote marriage, what would happen next? Well, now the enemy's gone all in with regard to the ideology of transgenderism. And there's a new movie. Uh, we talked about it last year on the program called Dead Name. It's a documentary. Dead Name is a reference in the LGBTQ community to people who are uh, trying to change their gender, which is physically impossible, but surgically, they're still giving it their best shot. Um, you can modify a person's body physically all you want with surgery. It does not make them the opposite gender. And to my knowledge, not one person who's ever been born one gender has successfully transformed into another in the same way that people in the homosexual experience are not able to naturally reproduce. So when you hear people who are saying, you know, they're, they're lesbian or gay and they are quote unquote parents, well, maybe you adopt a child and raise that child legally, but in terms of giving birth and the natural cycle, it's just not happening. And now <laughs> the argument is, and I'm not laughing because it's funny, I'm just chuckling at the irony. The argument is that that's, that's somehow violence committed against the LGBTQ community if you tell the truth about what's going on. Enter the dead name documentary and a new provocative billboard campaign. And these are double-sided billboards. There are four of them. Actually, the producers of the movie Dead Name documentary uh, got the idea from, there was a movie that came out about six years ago called um, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Missouri, Missouri. Anyway, the character in the movie is uh, Mildred Hayes, played by Frances McDormand. And she takes out billboard ads on three different billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri to find out information about what happened to her daughter. Her daughter was killed and um, it's been going on for seven months. And she basically says, hey, look, here's the deal. I want to find out what's going on. So after no arrests were made, seven months, it's a small town. They should have been able to figure this out. She puts up three roadside billboards and basically goading the police chief of Ebbing, Missouri, to find her daughter's killer. 
kind of a provocative concept. I've not seen the movie. It's probably rated R, my guess is. I'm sure there's some language and other stuff in there that we as Christians wouldn't necessarily approve of. But using that concept, the deadnamedocumentary.com website has sponsored four different billboards now that are up and around in uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania. They're double-sided. And basically what they're doing is asking questions about transgenderism, as it were. Um, it's interesting because when the Dead Name documentary was first released last year, it was released on Vimeo. 35 days into the streaming, Vimeo dropped the documentary. And the reason that they did was there were so many people in the LGBTQ community who did not want to see a documentary about kids who had transitioned from one gender to the other and were now detransitioning. They were coming back. They were talking about the pressure that they had. One girl said she literally, uh, what it took to get her into gender reassignment surgery was a phone call, like an hour-long phone call with a psychiatrist who never met her in person. And with that, he wrote a note saying, you have my approval to have this girl's breast removed because she's obviously a boy. She's now detransitioning, suing the hospital and saying, wait, really? That I mean, do you remember back in the Renee Richards days of all this stuff where you had to go through five years of psychiatric intensive therapy? And I mean, it was a huge deal at that Johns Hopkins Institute. Now, some 16-year-old girl breaks up with her boyfriend and says, I feel like a guy. And uh, you know, Planned Parenthood will give you the uh, testosterone. You know, just go on down. And we won't tell your parents. Dead name is actually using these two-sided billboards one of the billboards reads, has this happened to your child? And then below it, the word dead name. And then the link for deadnamedocumentary.com. Now that's very provocative. It's very, very compelling. Um, it's interesting because uh, the dead name movie wound up going on a private viewing platform after Vimeo dropped it. But it's very interesting um, because there's a, just a, the, the swell of public opinion on this issue says, you know what? This is such a good thing. I mean, it's great. It's a true expression of human rights. And the legacy media outlets are saying, yeah, but we're fine with that. We're not going to ask critical questions about how does a child get to this point? We're not going to ask the question. I mean, we just accept un unapologetically. I was watching a video the other day. Candace Owens uh, gave a presentation. This is when she was great with child. I think her first one. And this poor young guy, you know, curly red hair, he gets up there and he's nervous. He's reading everything off his iPhone and he's saying, you're, you're committing violence and it's against our people and suicide rates are high, et cetera, et cetera. And she looked at him and said, basically, first of all, I'm pregnant, get a helmet, life's tough. But secondly, she, she made the observation and I thought this was a fair one, says, you got to get your facts straight. When you talk about the high suicide rates among people in the transgender community, ask the question, when are they attempting to end their lives? Is it before they have the surgery or after? Because from what I've read and seen, and this is anecdotal for right now, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the, the, the desire to end your life when you're experiencing gender dysphoria is, is very high. But the actual follow through is higher for people who've actually had the, the surgery. And so now these electronic billboards are in, uh, let's see, they're in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, has a couple of these electronic ones. There's one in Castle Shannon, which is a borough near Pittsburgh. And then in Ohio, it's Lorraine County uh, near Cleveland and the city of Findlay. So not 
major areas. But basically, here's the deal. Like in Lorraine, for example, um, motorists are on their way maybe to the Cleveland Clinic's Family Health Center. Um, there's a Lorraine Community College. I mean, they're strategically placed in areas where there might be people who are having this conversation. We're going to put the article up at thebottomlineshow.com and a link for the, uh, uh, the movie, the Dead Name uh, documentary. So you can get a feel for how great the lengths that the left are going to to make this a reality. We'll talk about this a little bit more on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, our Movie Monday story for this week, featuring the uh, folks who are the uh, documentarians of the new movie Dead Name Society, deadnamedocumentary.com uh, is the website. And uh, they took a page out of the Cone Brothers and three billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri. A movie came out in 2017. They've taken four billboards in Ohio and Pennsylvania that are asking questions about, um, well, like for example, um, uh, was has this ever happened to your child? And then they just write the word dead name. And when parents see it, then there's a link, deadnamedocumentary.com underneath it. And it's provocative. They're putting it in areas where hospitals are and community colleges, colleges, things like that. Because this has become such a huge cultural phenomenon. So many people are just, um, they're, they're looking at this phenomenon and, and just accepting it like it's fact. And it, we, we just haven't been paying enough attention to it. But the, the reality is, uh, this is a very, very new phenomenon. If you look at the statistics that are released on transgender uh, so-called reassignment surgeries, there were about 8,000 young kids in 2018 to whom this happened. By 2019, it was nearly 20,000. And the number continues. And the number continues because, quite frankly, the American Medical Association does not care about gender dysphoria as much as they care as long-term profit. They want kids identified at age four and age five to have this condition, quote unquote. And the reason that they do is because that you all have a customer for life. They'll have to endure $100,000 plus worth of reassignment surgery. You'll start taking hormone blockers and hormone replacement therapy at age eight, age nine. And then you'll be stuck on whatever your new gender is, hormone replacement, for the rest of your life. This is extremely lucrative. But then again, don't let the left convince you that the sanctity of human life is the reason why, you know, oh, we've got to provide abortion because that's health care for women. No, abortion's profitable for the people who perform the abortions, and the buying and selling of baby body parts is even more profitable. Lord, help us in this culture to stand up for what is true simply by telling the truth and help us to do it with gentleness and respect as Peter commends us in 1 Peter 3.15. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious and powerful name. And all God's people said, amen. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And Rabbi Schneider coming your way next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, learning to win and the keys to winning the war on worry. Carrie Eichberger is going to join me for that conversation coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a topic of conversation that if we are really honest with ourselves and with each other, this is something that we all wrestle with, and that is worry. Why is it that so many of us are worried about things, things that may have happened, things that may not happen, the things that probably will never show up? Um, joining me today here on the broadcast is a woman who's written a book about this subject, not that she's an expert per se, but she's lived this story. Her name is Carrie Eichberger. Uh, she and her husband, Mike, have five kids, and she knows what it's like to live on the roller coaster of up and down and having a relationship with the Lord, but also dealing with some pretty painful 
anxieties, especially during her teen years. She's written a book about this called Win Over Worry, Conquer What Shakes You, and Soar with the One Who Overcomes. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Carrie Eichberger, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to share this story and talk, hash this out, this topic of worry that everybody loves, hates to talk about, and uh, that I had to walk the hard walk to be here to talk about it. <laughs> well, let's talk about this because there are people who, you know, when we're going through adolescence like that, the emotions are all over the map anyway. And it, and it, so it's, it's kind of hard to figure out what is just being a teenager and what is, you know, real problem with worry or fear or this, that, and the other thing. Uh, you discovered during your teen years that uh, panic and anxiety were really, uh, they were kind of haunting you, <laughs> dogging you, if you will. Talk about that, how you knew that was this was more than just typical teenage emotions. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's it's funny. You write a book about this. And like I said, I had to kind of walk the hard walk. We all experience worry and fear in our life. And this is not a book that I would have dreamed. Originally, I would have written because I have experienced my own struggle. But I believe, you know, if you're a step ahead of someone, you can help them. And I, I believe if we have walked through something with um, and and learned and gained, I, I just want to help others through the same. So for me, um, so all that said, I was someone who would call myself a worrier. I, when I was um, growing up, I experienced some things. You kind of touched on that when I was in high school. So I was someone, let me just tell you, I grew up what I call a God girl. I was raised in a Christian home mm -hmm. and knew all the things um, to do and say and believe, but I wasn't necessarily living like I believe what I said I believed. Mm -hmm. uh, it came a point in my life when, I was more or less living out of self-will over the will and the way of God. And I experienced some difficulties and we all can probably point back to some points in our life when maybe something traumatic happened or you experienced somebody else go through something mm -hmm. or just the world shook you a little bit. Um, you know, it was something when I was in high school where um, I witnessed um, someone that I care deeply about. It was actually a boyfriend at the time and he was... Um, beaten severely. And, um, mm. it was a traumatizing experience for me. And that was just, that's just a little blip of it. I go into this in the book more, but I'll just say that I realized quickly, I wasn't prepared for the blows of life. Mm. I'll just mm. say that those so seeds mm. were planted, uh, of worry and fear because I didn't take these struggles and immediately give them over to God. I didn't know how to do that. Right. Um, I really, I did what the world said to do and to cope the way the world says to cope because I didn't have a strong foundation yet. And so I developed unhealthy coping strategies and, and also learned quickly when, when you don't do that, when you don't learn how to cope in the right way and you give these struggles to the only one who is equipped to handle them, which is the Lord, yes, yes. then um, and we start walking in the um, in the walking down the wrong path. We do things like control, start to con try to control our lives. We walk in avoidance. Um, we anxiously live. So with me not handling things properly, anxiety started popping up. And when I say anxiety came up, so I was starting to avoid things in my life, avoiding large crowds, anything mm. that looked scary to me. And I started physically experiencing anxiety, which then yeah. roller, um, then snowballed into full-blown panic. Um, and I'll, that just started some dark years for me. And, and I could go on and on, but I just identified and noticed in my life, this was starting to take a stronghold on me. Mm -hmm. And it was just, 
and years then went went by at the, really the darkest years of my life because I didn't know how to properly handle all of this right. um, until it snowballed until years later when 9-11 hit and more panic struck the entire mm-hmm. country that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when light bulbs started to go off and I thought, okay, I need to get a hold on this. But I'll just say there was so much in there and I'm looking back identifying worry played a strong part of my life. Panic played a strong role in my life uh, because I did not know how to properly handle it. Right. And uh, it's amazing to hear Carrie Eichberger share her testimony today here on The Bottom Line, the book, Win Over Worry, Conquer What Shakes You and Soar with the One Who Overcomes. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And you're really resonating with a lot of readers because there are people saying, that's me too. I mean, I think about any kind of trauma that may have happened to you in your younger years. And depending on where you are in the faith journey and depending on where you are in the adolescent development journey, that you, it kind of imprints you to the point where you're kind of stuck in that mode. And so this is how you're processing life. And I wonder how many of us are in our 50s and 60s, even 70s, who are still dealing with the traumatic issues of our past, and we've never really come to grips with it. You you write about in the book, I love how you line this up, books kind of in two different parts. The first part is where you are, identify what it means to be a warrior, and then the second, to become a warrior. Uh, in the warrior part, you're, you're talking about understanding where the battle begins, you know what I mean? Learning how to identify what the worries are, and ultimately giving the, I mean, taking them to the foot of the cross and saying, God, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, what was that, that aha moment like for you? Because obviously you went through a lot and then the nation was going through a lot. And now you're surrounded by people who are all going through this. You're saying, Lord, I know this isn't the way you called us to live. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that we can, I, and I mentioned that story, a lot of us can identify some things that we went through. And, and I, I, I go back to the past because the reason being, we probably experienced some things that did sort of wire the way that we um, are, what we're believing and the way we're living now. And I would say for me, it was almost sort of like a rock bottom experience of my way wasn't working anymore. Yeah. And I I felt like God all along was, try, was trying to get my attention. And mm-hmm. I think he was using this struggle to get my attention and i was trying to do things my way do things the world's way and it just wasn't working and i had no choice but to just surrender and say okay god like you you are in control and it was then the beginning of a journey of really understanding who he is and and the truth that i am loved more than i can possibly imagine that he is in control yes, i think that was yes. the biggest piece for me is i had to wrap my arms around the fact that i am not a control of my life that god is in control he is in good control and it was a journey of of, of getting to know those truths getting to know him and that was the beginning of changing everything for me mm, i'm talking with carrie eichberger today here on the bottom line her book win over worry conquer what shakes you and soar with the one who overcomes is up at the bottomlineshow.com where were you in your family journey where would you say you were in your faith journey carrie when you came to this realization that prayer was important there is an enemy and it's not whoever these people are you know who are seemingly coming after you it's not large crowds or whatever and that god's in control i know you're a married mom of five right now but where were you yeah. family wise in in that uh, Process. You know, this, this almost happened two different times in my journey. Once it was before I even got married mm. and it was, um, you know, I had to sort through a lot in my life to really open up to what I believe was God's 
um, permission for me in my life to begin even having a family. But what was really cool was after, so I have five kids, like I said, mm -hmm. after having my third, I was done. My husband and I were like, that's all I can handle. My anxiety was high enough, more kids, mm -hmm. more issues. It seemed right. like more responsibilities that came my way, the more worries I had. And I was tapped out. So though I had come so far, I feel like I had more work to do. And I knew there's always growth to be done. There's always more we can get to know God. And there's so much more um, goodness that he has to share with us. And so I went through, I, I, I was kind of lacking purpose too at the time. And so I went on another journey of trying to, I wanted, I was seeking purpose. So I just started seeking God like never before. And what happened was I started having these nudges. Now I was done having children, but I had a nudge to have this baby. I don't know where that came from, but I had this nudge <laughs> of a baby. And I thought, no, wait a minute, God, I thought that we were tapped out. We couldn't handle right. anymore. I was too worried, too anxious. Um, but he, as I went on this journey of getting, of, of bringing him more, seeking him more and understanding his love and understanding his sovereignty, um, it opened the door anxiety and, and um, worry and fear diminished even more in my life. The more I saw him, the more I went to him, the more those things started to just fizzle out. And it opened up, um, it, it opened me to be able to follow in obedience, this calling that he put before me and say, yes, because all of a sudden I wasn't worried about what, what might happen if a lot of the what ifs started to go away. And I would say, okay, I'm not worried about that because God will be there. And he's in control and whatever he's calling me to, he will walk me through. And that is exactly what happened. So mm -hmm. then I, that was really the, that was where I was. I was, you know, in between two and I said, I want one more child and it ended up being twins. That's the way that, that God, um, yeah. Double blessing. <laughs> but you know Double what? I, I've been yeah. able to, it, if it hadn't been for him, I would not be able to weather all the additional worry that came oh. with two additional uh, later phase in my life. I love that. Carrie Eichberger is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about her brand new book, Win Over Worry. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, we'll get more into the warrior part now uh, of this conversation on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Carrie Eichberger is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Carrie is the author of a brand new book that is a must read for anybody who's ever worried, which means everybody who's ever walked the face of the earth. The book is called Win Over Worry, Conquer What Shakes You and Soar with the One Who Overcomes. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Carrie is involved in pastoral ministry ordained through Southeast Christian Church. Uh, and she writes, uh, she blogs, she uh, hosts the Faith Fueled podcast and uh, has written, well, we'll put her link up for carrieeichberger.com up at thebottomlineshow.com. This new book, Win Over Worry, is, is it's, it's refreshing to hear someone talk so honestly and vulnerably, Carrie, about 
the worries that you had, the anxieties that you have dealt with over the years, and the way that you were able to see God's hand and saying, hey, let, you can release that control now. Let me handle this. But there are, you know, then there's the next part of the equation, which is what happens when the panic attacks show up again? What happens when the worryful situations? And the second half of your book, you uh, talk about what it means to be a warrior, someone who actually takes a little bit more of the offensive against these types of things. Talk about uh, some of the ways that our listeners who might be hearing this and say, okay, I get the fact that I've got to unlearn you know, some of these these patterns that I have in my life. What are some of the ways we can use what you, what you call warrior weapons to, uh, to, mm. to, to live more confidently? Yeah. Uh, so, well, there's so many things. I unpack a lot of tools and disciplines in the second half of the book, but I get really excited about this portion because this is where that abundance of life comes in. This is where we're rewiring our thinking re and um, relearning by replacing the things that we once did with the things that we now know to be true. Yes. And we are just practicing those and, and solidifying our belief in the truth. And this is where the, where life gets, where life gets just grand and exciting because the things that once held us back because of worry and fear, we are now open to be able to do. And that's mm -hmm. my story. I, you know, the, the joy that you can experience because um, you're saying yes to things you once said no to. Um, the purpose that you will open up to because of that, um, you know, for me, like with, with having, a, you know, having that one more baby because I had let go of the fear and the worry and, and what that opened up for me. And um, as we walk in, in this joy and we are open to this purpose and we see God show up in our life, um, there's just, there's this a newness. And so when we talk about being a, a warrior, it's this sense of understanding that God defeats the enemy, which the enemy is where these worries, these fears are coming from. Mm. Um, we need to learn to tune out the world and tune into Jesus. And, and the world is what is filling us with these lies of the enemy. And that's, that's for me. I need to start listening to what the, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I'm, I'm praying and that's a huge piece. And it sounds so simple. I mentioned prayer and I'll just stop on that one for a second because that sounds so simple. And we hear that a lot in Christian realms, you know, we should be praying and talking to God and pray more, but I will just say, I would challenge anybody and myself, even that where worry is present, when we pray, there is, only peace to be found, yeah. um, to be woven through those worries. And I can't tell you a time that I had a worry that I immediately took to God in prayer and I didn't find some sort of peace. So I want to mm. start so simply with people and say, we can be praying more that God, God's the Bible says in first Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. And we've heard that, but are we taking that literally and seriously? It, it's about impossible to pray constantly, but I think we can do better. And the more we learn to, like I said, tune into Jesus and talk to him more and tune out the world, there's so much peace to be, um, to permeate through our lives and out into all the things that we experience. Uh, and I just get excited about this because I've seen it show up in my life in so many ways where once I was um, debilitated by worry and fear. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you listen to Carrie Eichberger share her testimony today here on The Bottom Line as we're talking about her book, Win Over Worry, Conquer What Shakes You and Soar with the One Who Overcomes. That link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. 
it, it it seems so basic, rudimentary, if you will. I mean, the, the, these aren't anything the new revelations. They're just putting into practice the things that we already have. And I, I wonder how many people carry, and you probably hear from them too, with your writing and, and your speaking ministry and even people at your church who come to you and say, yeah, I, I like what you're saying about this win over worry, but everything has just been so, you know, horrible it's been so lousy in my life for such a long time Mm -hmm. and you sense the fact that there's a discontentment that these people are really just kind of dreading every day and instead of embracing the joy of the lord talk about why it's important to be intentional to say hey look even Mm -hmm. though there's darkness the light will overcome it even just the smallest little bit of light will overcome it oh you know i think that it's so easy for us to you know, you mentioned this is something that we're plagued. A lot of us are plagued with people. We, we want to label ourselves warriors and we normalize worry. We talk about it. We sit with people and we talk about all the things we're worried about and as if that's just something that we're stuck with. And I think that we're sort of getting that wrong. I think that we need to remember that, yes, it's something we struggle with, but we have the power to overcome it. And, and though you know, it, it sounds so simple. Or we, like we said, we, we blow it off. We say, this is just normal. Oh, worry about this. Don't worry about that. Well, it is holding us back in our life. And we do have, because we have the power of God in us uh, and because he defeats the enemy and he defeats fear and he Amen. defeats worry, we do have hope. And I know that it's not something that's just going to be gone tomorrow or immediately, but there is hope to make progress and to win because, because God wins. And we have that power within us to overcome. So I would just tell anybody that that is um, that, that thinks maybe that there's not hope or that just says, oh, you know, they either normalize their worry uh, or believe that's just the way that they are, that there is hope because I once felt the same way, that this is just the way God made me. And no, he don't, doesn't right. leave us any way, uh, in any place of struggle without giving us hope of overcoming. Boy, that's great counsel from Carrie Eichberger today here on The Bottom Line. The book Win Over Worry is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Conquer what shakes you and soar with the one who overcomes. Carrie, we have a couple minutes left in our time together, and we see a lot of people in the culture right now who are struggling to kind of find out what their purpose in life is, who they are, what their identity is. And you write about in your book Win Over Worry that a lot of people do kind of come up short, basically, in what God is calling them to, simply because they really haven't figured out how to unleash their purpose, to really, you know, kind of recognize what their identity is, who they are in Christ. Take the final kind of moments here and um, I was going to say, give us a biblical exhortation or take us to the woodshed. We learn to, re- to, to surrender our worry and our fears to God. And we seek him with all of our heart seek him wholeheartedly, we will find him. And when we find him, we find answers. We find his word. We find discernment in what we should or need to do with our life and what steps to take. He does guide us and counsel us and he is with us. And I think it is just seeking him like never before. And that was me in my story. I felt I was, whether I was worried about something or seeking an answer with a struggle, Mm -hmm. uh, it was just it was getting to know him better. It was seeking him more and more. And the more we seek him, the more he speaks to us, the more we hear him and he shows up in our life and, and, and reduces. And we walk in that freedom um, from fear and from worry with him. 
that's a great walk to take. And it, it sure beats the alternative, which is hearing God walking around the garden asking, why are you hiding? You know, I mean, because <laughs> your fears and anxieties walk with him instead of walking away from him and hiding from him. And, and Carrie, you are a testament to what that looks like when those uh, that faith is put into action. Carrie Eichberger has been my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Her book is called Win Over Worry, Conquer What Shakes You and Soar with the One Who Overcomes. There's a link for the book and CarrieEichberger.com up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Carrie, thank you for the uh, the work that you've done and uh, the work that you continue to do in helping people win over worry. We appreciate you being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you so much for having me. Well, who among us hasn't dealt with worry and uh, and the effect that it has on our faith and on our life and our schedule? And I'm grateful for Carrie Eichberger for sharing with us today about how she has overcome uh, just all sorts of different uh, things that have plagued her. And you wouldn't know it to read the book or uh, just to hear her share her testimony now, but uh, grateful that this book is resonating with so many people. Again, the book is called Win Over Worry, Conquer What Shakes You, and Soar with the One Who Overcomes. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one but two copies of this book that we're giving away today, so you have an excellent chance of winning one. 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, I want to talk about uh, an interesting poll that uh, gets into some of the worries that many people in the culture have, Christian and unbelievers alike, with regard to the end times and why more and more people are thinking about it, but fewer and fewer people are worrying about it. We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. My thanks again to Carrie Eichberger for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. Win Over Worry is the name of her new book, Conquer What Shakes You and Soar with the One Who Overcomes. And there's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We are giving away a cop. Actually, we're giving away two copies of the book right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Boy, uh, winning over worry is really important. Of course, perfect faith or perfect love casts out fear and the love of God who lives in your heart uh, actually does cast that fear out for us. But we're human and we do have that tendency to fall into it. And with everything that's happening in the world, whether it's kids and transgender surgeries or uh, Mark Hancock, the CEO of Trail Life USA, joined me at the start of the program. And we talked about the fact that uh, trail life has grown exponentially over the past decade. And it largely happened not when 
the scouts, the Boy Scouts of America introduced like gay scout leaders and that type of stuff. It's when they started bringing girls into the troops and basically saying, it's Boy Scouts of America. Now it's Scouting USA. But you know what? I mean, as long as it's scouts, boys or girls, we don't care. That's when the parents said, enough is enough. We want our boys to learn how to become young men and productive members of society. We don't want them palling around with girls at this point. I mean, they're going to have girls at school and church and friends and stuff like that, that they'll be friends with. But they need to learn examples of godly masculinity. And that group is flourishing. At the same time, Boy Scouts of America has seen their numbers decline dramatically. Case in point. A couple of years ago, the average at the Boy Scout Jamboree was around 50,000 boys who attended. Last year, it was 15,000. But the number of boys who attended the Scouting Jamboree pales in comparison to the number of boys who were actually in Boy Scouts, and that number continues to plummet. Why? Isn't it interesting how when they introduced the homosexual aspect of the Boy Scouts of America, that didn't seem to hurt their numbers as much as when they made it gender-confused? And that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to confuse us. The enemy wants us to look at what's happening in Israel right now and say, bad Israel. You know, was it student at Stanford had a sign they were hanging out out of their window uh, that said, basically, Israel is, a, is an experiment gone wrong. Return the, the, the land of Gaza to its rightful homeland owners, the Palestinians. Not realizing that Palestine, quote unquote, is an invention of the Roman Empire from 2000 years ago. That is modern day Judah, the area that they're, you know, Gaza and all that, that that's under contestation. Israel is the land God gave to his people thousands of years ago in scripture. Palestine became a nation in 1988 and the term Palestinian came from the Romans who basically were, that's what they did because they had control at that time. Ultimately, though, brothers and sisters, we are looking at the world events and worrying and wondering. May I encourage you to look more with wonder than with worry? We see God has told us that there would come a day when the Lord would return. And we see Zechariah chapter 12, where all of Israel's neighbors, all 22 of those nations, would love nothing more than overrun Israel and get them off the face of the earth. But they can't. They can't because God won't let that happen. And we have that promise in the Old Testament. We see it again affirmed in the New. And so this is a a case here where not to sound too finger in the chesty, (laughs) point, point, point. But I want to encourage you to lay your worries aside with regard to the Middle East. Oh, yeah, it's going to get ugly. Oh, yeah, we're going to see humanitarian crisis. We're going to see food shortages. And I'm grateful for people like Victor and Eileen Marks who are there with All Things Possible Ministries helping out right now. But brothers and sisters, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord and what he's doing. Will there be, you know, flaming rockets and stuff happening around? There will be until the Lord's return. But Jerusalem is ground zero where God will send his son to return and rule and reign. Let's not lose sight of that fact. That will happen. And that's the bottom line. 